So I thought I was done with cash value life insurance, but then some stuff happens and you got to do what you got to do. You got to get back into it, apparently. So I ran into somebody online who spit out a bunch of talking points about cash value life insurance, IUL in specific, and then finished the comment by saying, um, do your research before you make these comments. And we've debunked all the claims that they've made. But the biggest one is that cash value life insurance is an asset like any other asset. So the person listed off all these assets, like a car, a house, um, I don't remember what else. Then they were like, cash value life insurance is just like those. And the one glaring giant problem with that statement is that I can sell all these other things. People are interested in buying these other things. All the things that I consider assets, people are willing to purchase. Even my taxable brokerage account has items in it like stocks and companies or index funds that people want to buy. It's why it carries value. So with cash value life insurance, who do you sell that to? Who takes that? Who wants it? Who, who like, can someone buy that from you? Of course not. So your cash value life insurance is only valued at the dollar amount that the insurance company tells you it's valued at. And they value it at that amount because of magic. So we're going to be taking a look at a video today because this just came out and it was so good. I couldn't pass it up. We have to talk about this video. It's called what senseless consultants absentmindedly mock as a scam. So he's referring to us here. He's saying like, there's people online calling this a scam and it's not a scam. And I expected to see like maybe a video with some data showing like, Hey, this is why those people are wrong. And I was greatly not only disappointed that there wasn't data, but intensely entertained by the actual content of the video. So we have to watch it. It's just way too good not to. Is IUL, Indexed Universal Life, a scam? Well, uh, I'm gonna say absolutely yes, because scam is an acronym that I like to use that stands for Superior Cash Accumulation Machine. So if someone calls your thing a scam and your response is to produce an acronym that makes scam sound better, you're already lost. You've lost the whole debate. And I've even said IUL is not a scam. IUL is just a poor financial vehicle. It just doesn't do what it is that these guys are claiming that it does. Or if it does, it just doesn't do it well. And <laughs> so it's not necessarily a scam. They're not like stealing your money more. So they're just stealing your opportunities. It's just a tremendous opportunity cost to give these guys your money. So it doesn't definitively make it a scam, but then to go and do this video now, I can't, I mean, now it looks like a scam. I don't know. I don't know how to respond to this. And I'll explain why here in just a moment. But in this educational episode, I'm going to talk about uh, how a lot of these senseless consultants absentmindedly mock something. And by the way, that spells an acronym scam. That's the real scam, in my opinion. They mock something they know very little or nothing about. The worst form of ignorance is when you criticize or you poo-poo something that you know very little or nothing about. Get ready, I wanna give you insight. So just right off the bat, we've asked him, as well as a number of other people, the questions about the stuff that we're fuzzy on. We looked it up on the internet, and in a lot of cases, he refused to respond to our questions. Other people did respond, and it was the answers we expected, because it turns out this isn't all that complicated. It's just a lot of complicated talk to hide what's actually taking place, which makes it feel really scammy. 
But when we asked him the most important one, which was, can you prove what it is that you're saying? He led us to a video, which we debunked. I'll link to it. One of these sides. I think it's this side. We'll link to it so that you can see that his claim about the returns isn't accurate. And in fact, he made the claim that if someone doesn't give you the full rate of return, like the actual dollar cash in cash out rate of return, that they might not be telling you the truth. And he turns around and does the exact same thing because he's counting on you to not understand these details. And then when people point out that he's kind of fudging the truth and this isn't really what's happening, he'll point back and be like, you just don't understand. Well, then explain it to us. But like I said, you're not going to get an explanation from him in this video, but we got to watch it anyways because the entertainment value is outstanding. So I'm Doug Andrew. I've been a financial strategist and retirement planning <laughs> specialist now for nearly five decades, helping thousands of people optimize their assets financially, especially uh, minimum dealing with lots of court cases where it turns out he did really screw people over and his son screwed people over. So he's not really the most like morally upstanding person as he's making all these claims here. Buys taxes and empower what I call their authentic wealth. Now, one of my goals, let me clarify that. So you, you might be able to claim that maybe he just doesn't understand that he was a part of these deals that were poorly done and he got in trouble because he misunderstood something and he wasn't actually morally um, corrupt, but then you'd have to then accept the argument that he probably doesn't know what he's, re what he's referring to. Or he, he probably doesn't know all the details and all the talking points of his stuff. He might just be regurgitating, you know, stuff that works from a salesman point of view. So it's either one or the other. He's a bad guy or he doesn't understand. One and two. For a lot of people is to accumulate money for long-term goals such as retirement, but it could be college funding, working capital for their business, real estate management, uh, pension maximization, emergency funds, whatever. But any long-term goal, uh, I usually show people several alternatives. And bar none, the one that performs the best is a property structured, maximum funded indexed universal life insurance contract. We debunked that using his own video. So he sat down and showed us all the alternatives using the illustrations. And then he tried to claim, I beat the illustrations. And then we did what's called back testing, meaning we looked at the market for the time period that he was referring to. And we figured out that the market had returned about 4.2% over that time frame. So he picked a great time frame for returns. And then he then when he talks about his returns, he conveniently ignores the fact that all of these fees are being paid out. So when you look at like a 9.6% return, it's referring to the return just within the cash value portion, ignoring the fact that you paid like 10 to 20 times for the insurance part that you would have paid with term life insurance. So with all those fees and you add all that together, and we did, we figured out that our person in this example got about 4% return. So he was able to produce this guy about 4% return over a time period where the market had a 14.2% return. So we've already debunked this using his own data, not our data, not made up data, not an illustration from some random person that's not a fully funded maximum IUL, whatever. We used his own data to show how much this person got screwed over. And it went from like, he could have had $1.5 million and instead had $650,000 inside of his plan. That's more than 50%.
So this is why we also debunk the claim that this is a, you know, a floor and the ability to prevent loss is if the market took an over 50% hit, he would have still been better if he had just put his money in the market, right? And this is that logical fallacy where they're like, if you have a million dollar IUL and you have a million dollar 401k and your 401k drops, your IOL won't drop. So great success. The problem is if you put the same dollar for dollar into either one of these two things, you might have a million dollars in IUL cash value, but you'd have two million plus dollars in the market. And if it drops, it's never going to hit that IUL amount. And that logical fallacy has to be addressed. Someone has to point that out. Otherwise, this whole thing is bunk. There's no point in talking about it anymore. During the accumulation phase, during the access phase, during the transfer phase, when you die. And uh, I have a lot of critics out there. And a lot of them, they call IUL a scam. And I always sit back and sort of snicker. And I go, oh, bless their little hearts. Uh, they don't know what they don't know. Uh, they're totally ignorant of this. So tell us what we don't know there, Mr. Doug. What are we missing, Doug? Tell us what we don't know and I'm going to explain why. So uh, yes. let's go into a little bit of detail here. Um, Ooh, detail. I have, uh, I'm going to use a metaphor. I have a friend, a very dear friend. Uh, he used to work for me years ago. And uh, he ended up moving to Amelia Island back in Florida. And he has always dreamed of flying. Uh, I ended up uh, purchasing some small aircraft, a, a, a two-seater plane and a four-seater plane, a, a, a Cessna 152 and a Piper Archer. Uh, when I was uh, in my you know, early years and in the 1970s and 1980s. Uh, well, he moved uh, back to Florida and he ended up uh, getting a kit to build an ultralight um, helicopter, okay? Now, uh, he was smart. He made sure that it was built correctly. Not only did he put it together correctly, but he had several other experts come and help him make sure that he built that ultralight helicopter correctly. Uh, he understands aerodynamics. He, all, he always understands what makes, a, you know, lift, thrust, drag is what makes an airplane fly. Well, with a helicopter, you have a, a few other factors. So he made absolutely sure that it was built correctly. Why? Because he wanted to be able to fly that and not have to um, have a report that he went down as he was flying over uh, the Atlantic because of something that was not uh, built correctly. And so he enjoyed flying for uh, thousands of hours that aircraft and he absolutely loved it. But he did share with me, because I hadn't talked to him for a few decades, he shared with me that many, many uh, people that he knew and some that he didn't know uh, crashed. They burned. And uh, it was for one of two reasons. One was a mechanical failure, which was probably uh, on about half of the accidents. It was a mechanical failure. Uh, they weren't built correctly. Uh, and designed the proper way. They, they cut corners or whatever. Uh, the other 50% was the pilot error. The one operating it uh, made errors and uh, misjudgments. Well, this is true with indexed universal life. I have found that the critics who call indexed universal life a scam usually will point to some IUL policy in, all, in every case I've ever seen, they're pointing to an IUL policy that was structured incorrectly.
That's why we use Doug's own example. So obviously he hasn't seen our video. I thought for a second he was referring to us when he said that he watched videos of someone who claimed it to be a scam because we, you know, you know, try to be a little clickbaity. We put the big scam word across the top and we're like, this is this a scam? Trillion dollar scam industry. Obviously, that was clickbait. I don't actually think this is a scam. It's just not a very good product. L let's use his own metaphor. Imagine if someone comes to you with a helicopter that flies like two feet off the ground and then they tell you it's like the most amazing thing ever. And they're also like, look, in order for you to make sure that this actually can get anywhere, even the two feet off the ground, you have to come through me and pay me bucket tons of money. Then you have to pay me a bucket ton of commission just to keep this thing two feet off the ground the whole time. And you're like, this isn't very performant. I could have just bought that helicopter over there for less money and it's already working. Why would I go through all this trouble to give you a bunch of money? And then this guy's like, I've got an acronym for that. And I can tell right off the bat, and I'm going to show you how I can tell that. And so they're comparing an inferior uh, structured IUL policy uh, to whatever they think is superior. And I was like, oh man, they're comparing apples to oranges here because uh, that, that IUL isn't even structured right. Whoever set that up didn't even know what they were doing. And by the way, that's one of the reasons why I set up a coalition of professionals, IUL agents that belong to this coalition where they're trained to, to set them up correctly, fund them properly, so that you can earn, you know, 11 and net 10 cash-on-cash uh, cash rates of return and become self-insured within 12 years. So the actual cash value equals the death benefit within 12 or 15 years. I yeah, he's, I mean, using his own example, we already debunked this. I've already said that a number of times. So, you know, he's about to go into some example that somebody made and um, he's not really going to debunk it. He's just going to keep saying that, like, we've done this, we've done this, and we've already debunked the examples that he's presented. So, uh, you know, but the problem with this entire system when it comes to setting it up properly, quote unquote, setting it up properly, is you have to trust the organization. We, we talked about that before. If the organization falls under, you lose everything. The organization for an IUL could also, like the insurance company, could also just decide that they're going to take all your money and walk away. And there's really nothing you can do about that. They could change the fee structure, the return structure at any point to make sure that they can keep their business afloat and you just have to eat it. Otherwise, you lose everything you put money into. I don't have to do that with my brokerage account. Um, the other problem is, is he tells you, you have to have it properly structured and you have to trust the agent to, because it's so convoluted and complex. The agent, you're not going to be able to tell if it's properly structured. So you got to trust the agent. Well, Doug here has been involved in lawsuits where he didn't properly structure this stuff for people. So how do we trust Doug? And then if Doug's like the biggest voice in this field, how do we trust you know, people who are smaller voices in this field. How do we know they're telling us the truth? And then lastly, the whole system gives commissions to the person selling this to you by not making it structured properly. And I, this is, you know, a frustrating part of the way that this works. But if they structure it improperly, they will make more money. So how do we know if we've established that we can't trust the company really because we have no way of knowing, you know, if Doug's the most trustworthy version of an IUL salesman we can find, and they get more money by not doing this properly and by kind of like fibbing and covering up the truth, then how, like, how can we trust that any of this is going to work out? We can't do it ourselves. Meanwhile, the brokerage that returned 14.2% over the same time period as his example, we just put our money in it and buy index funds. There's nobody to trust. It's just, we're just doing it ourselves. It's easy.
Can't believe how many IUL policies, that'll never happen the way that they're set up. And I can tell within about 30 seconds by looking at it. So when these critics out there are calling IUL a scam, the first thing I do is I look at the IUL that they're using in their illustration. And in about 30 seconds, I go, yeah, they're comparing it to an IUL that was not structured correctly or the pilot error, okay? It wasn't funded properly. The person didn't put the premiums in on the schedule that it was designed to accommodate. And so how can you make it perform or fly when the pilot is in air? The one who pilots the, the policy is not funding it. This is like a red flag scammer uh, talking point. Almost every scammer goes through this. MLMs are extremely guilty of this one. If you fail, it's not because the thing was poor. It's because you did it wrong. And that keeps people from like, you know, once you fail, you kind of feel like, you know, oh man, my IUL didn't work out, but it was my fault. Doug said it was my fault. And it keeps you from telling other people that this is a bad idea. Don't do it. It makes you feel like you're inadequate. So you don't have the ability to respond and give a voice to it. It's a top tier like salesperson scammy line to give. And here he is giving it. He's like, look, even if it's structured properly and someone can sit down and figure out how it's structured properly, it's probably not funded properly. It's probably the person's fault for screwing this up, right? I don't know. If, if, you're, if you're touting some you know, great thing that you're supposed to be doing in order to like build wealth and you're telling people this is how to do it and then you say like, you know, ah, if you didn't do it right, like, eh, you lose out. Like, And then meanwhile, you could just put your money into index funds and you could stop funding it at any point, continue funding it at some point. Those things will continue to grow at a rate on average of 10.5%, you know, assuming historical data is accurate. And you don't have to worry about it. You just leave it there. That's really all you have to do is just leave it there. You must structure it correctly and fund it properly. Those are the key. And it's not that hard to do, but... IUL is not for a financial jellyfish person. You have to be disciplined. I, I say that in all my videos. So let's... The, the reason that you have to be disciplined is if you stop funding, they'll just start taking your cash value to pay for the insurance part. And because the insurance part is so widely more expensive than um, term life insurance, they'll just straight take all the money that you've built and fund themselves fund the insurance company, fund the commissions until the point where your policy starts eating itself and has potential to collapse and you lose everything. That's the reason you have to be disciplined. You can't stop funding it or else you lose everything. With an index fund, you buy it, you leave it there. You buy another one, you leave it there. You run into some financial trouble, you don't buy index funds in a month, no big deal. We'll pick it up next month. Nothing happens to those original index funds. You don't have to worry about it. With IUL, you stop funding it for some time. You run into trouble. You can't fund it. It becomes too expensive. Maybe you lost your job and you got a job that doesn't pay as much. You have the potential of losing everything. That's why you have to be disciplined. Get back to this. Uh, when people call IUL a scam, I say, well, that's an acronym for me. It stands for Superior <laughs> Cash Accumulation Machine. That's what it is. Uh, and I can prove it. Uh, where else can you accumulate money totally tax-free uh, when you structure it correctly and you rebalance using indexing and diversifying to where you can earn a rate of return of 9.6% since 1980. But since 1997, when indexed universal life came out, uh, many people have averaged 11.17%, netting over 10.07% at the end of the day, retroactive back to day one. Meaning that 
their money is going to double about every seven, 7.5 years. And when they get a million, 2 million, 4 million, 8 million, we have people with IUL that have 8 million bucks in there and they can generate 600,000 to 800,000 a year of tax-free income without depleting principal. Now they're getting 10% payouts. Do you know the financial services industry? Their standard is, is a 4% payout when Ah, this, this talking point drives me crazy. It, the financial industry's payout isn't 4% because they sat around and decided like, how do we scam people into getting less money? But this also goes with that same million dollar for million dollar fallacy where like 4% on what your cash is going to be in the market is, is still more than 10% in an IUL plan because you're taking such a tremendous hit. And his... So, there's a couple of points here. First, in his own example, his customer had like a 9% rate of return within the cash value and a 4% cash on cash rate of return. Just 4%. So not 9%, not netting 10%. You know, they're not able to pull that off. That doesn't exist. If you're buying, the government actually stepped in at some point and said, look, you can't give illustrations this high. It's illegal because no one's capable of achieving this. Even in his own examples, he couldn't achieve that. And he knows it. So he's got to be fibbing about that or he's just that blind to his own stupidity. I, I don't know. Um, but the next problem with that is that the 4% rule refers to a study called the Trinity Study that was done over any 30-year period within the U.S. economic history starting in like 1919 or something like that. And the, the entire concept is during any 30-year period, because most retirements are about 30 years long, somewhere between like 60 and 70 is when you retire, and then you'll on average die in your 90s. That's about 30 years. On any 30-year period, how much could you withdraw safely without losing anything, right? And the answer is 4%. Like within any period, you could withdraw safely 4% and not lose everything that's within your account. Now for IUL, what could you do? Now you could withdraw everything that you gained in a year where you actually gained stuff, but what about years where you didn't gain anything because the market didn't do well and the policy still cost you fees? You can't take anything out. You're gonna hit your principal, right? And he's not gonna talk about that. He's not gonna tell you that it has the same problem the market has, which is that if you start taking money above your growth, you're going to lose in principal, plain and simple. And so this is just an outright lie. There's there's no truth to that. You cannot get to 10% returns on your money every year and not take a loss on that. It does not exist. That isn't a thing. His his own examples disprove that. So like this is probably the worst sales tactic that he's presenting here. And uh it drives me nuts. Like cuz you buy into this, you expect at some point in the future like, "Oh yeah, like all oh, I'll get a rate of return that's superior than nearly everyone. It's this guy's making it sound like, you know, it's almost 10%, with, you know, which is basically what the market produces, but I have no losses, which is outstanding. And then I could take nearly 10% per year in capital and live off of that forever with no penalties, but then not telling you the part that that's a loan and that loan actually has interest and that interest is going to hit your account. And so, no, you can't take out 10%. There's so many problems with the statement that he just made. And he has to know, he has to know that that is a problem statement. This is one of those things where the FEC has got to come in and check that out. Like this is just downright like dishonest. You retire a million dollars. They only want you to pull out 40,000 a year. And those are the critics calling IUL a scam when IUL can generate more than double that in the income, 
What are they talking about? They, they don't know what they don't know. So let's talk about um, this. And so, you know, uh, unfortunately, perhaps the real scam are these senseless consultants <laughs> who are comparing it to the wrong or the improperly structured or improperly funded IUL. And so they are absentmindedly uh, criticizing or calling something a scam because they are using an inferior illustration to do that and they're mocking something. And frankly, I can tell it within about 30 seconds when I start looking at their charts, okay? So like, let me get, give you an example. That's why we used his own chart because I knew this would be his talking point. I would love for him to respond to our video. Man, that would be outstanding. He's never gonna do it because I think we might've got him. And I'd be happy to review any other videos for him. I'd be happy to have him on or I'd go on his show. Let's do a dollar for dollar challenge and see who wins back testing it. He's never gonna, he's not gonna call. It's never gonna happen. Um, recently, and, and this happens quite often, they usually within every month or two, there's, there's some consultant out there that posts, uh, uh, IUL is a scam, okay? And of course that attracts my attention. So I go into there and one was posted uh, recently where I got in there in about 30 seconds, I go, oh, well, uh, first of all, he's, he went through all these charts and graphs and he said, look how meticulous I have analyzed this thing. Well, right off the bat, he is comparing an IUL policy uh, that he's touting based upon the indexing strategy. And he said, well, in, the, in this 20 year period or this 40 year period using indexing, uh, you should have uh, averaged 8.67, okay? And, uh, and, and yet I looked at the cash values and uh, I retroactively, with my calculator in less than 30 seconds, I went in and the internal rate of return was only about 5%. Well, right off the bat, I know whoever set that up didn't even do it correctly. Because if you set up an IUL correctly, and if you were to earn at 8.67, you'll net 7.67, okay? Uh, retroactive back to day one uh, during the life of that. And, and his illustration was a 40-year illustration on some policy that a, that a World Financial Group agent created. And I, I'm sorry, but that WFG agent didn't know what they were doing. And they set up this policy to, to, to put in 200 bucks a month for 40 years. And I, I can guarantee you the death benefit was way more than it needed to be. It wasn't structured to perform well. So if it did earn 8.67, it only netted about five which is what his example showed when we broke it down. He was claiming about nine something percent and netted about four. That, so like his own example did, did that. And that was during the best economic years. Like, I, his, own, like his own example, guys. I don't know what to do. Like, I don't, I don't know how else to break this down. Show us. It'd be interesting. Like he's telling us like this person broke down a lot of this data. So, so this is the problem DC and I were talking about in an episode recently is that like when it comes to financial stuff, especially as an engineer, I love to put stuff into spreadsheets and do all the math. I want to know for every dollar I put out, what can I get in return? And I include things like loan interest rates because I understand that like when I do a real estate deal and I take a loan out there, there's a hit on that loan interest rate. But if my appreciation is greater than that loan, that's called financial arbitrage. What you're doing is you're buying money essentially for a cost, but then you're putting that money in some place that's producing more. And then you're able to take the difference. And by doing that, I can take the difference on cash that's not mine. 
right? So if let's say theoretically I take a loan out for 4%, I turn around and I put it into a market that averages roughly 10%, I'm making 6% in financial arbitrage, right? And that's great. We love that. That makes a lot of sense. We love that math. We want to make sure that we're doing that conservatively. We don't want to get in trouble like Dave Ramsey styles, but that's a great way to make a bunch of money and to use someone else's money in order to produce more than you would have otherwise. So we like to put all that stuff into spreadsheets, knowing and understanding how that works. We can calculate over a period of time what our total costs are going to be versus our income. And then we can try and measure what the best route to take is based off of where we put our money. It's extremely hard to do that with IULs. I've attempted to do it a few times and I've even done the same thing where I've done the indexing calculations over a period of time to try and see how that would pan out. And it's nearly impossible to figure out because the costs and fees are so convoluted and kind of hidden that it doesn't make a lot of sense. We broke down a video, uh, Doug made one, but we broke down a TikTok recently where they're like, the cost of insurance is $300. The, the amount of money that's in your cash value is $3,000 but you paid out like seven grand. And where's the difference? Like you paid at, like you, you, you can account for $3,300. Where's the other, you know, $3,700 going. And she just moves on past that. Doug just moves on past that. Like it didn't exist. Like you didn't just put tons of money and thousands of dollars for a normal person is a crazy amount of money. Where does it just disappear to? And that's what we can't figure out. And so when this guy is sitting down and figuring out like, look, for cash for cash, for dollar for dollar, we put in, we can't figure out where this is going. You know, Doug's got explaining to do. And his answer is, I could tell it just probably wasn't funded properly, probably wasn't built properly. That's my answer. Except for Doug's own examples have the same problem. And he can't answer that either. So, all right, continuing on. He should have been netting at least 7.6 or higher if it was structured correctly based upon that assumption. Right off the bat, I knew it wasn't set up right. It only took me about 30 seconds to figure that one out, okay? I didn't need to say, send me the illustration. I could tell because of his numbers, because he was mocking something he didn't even understand, okay? And it was unfortunate because it was... Uh, he didn't even ask for the illustration. How cool would it have been if he got the illustration and he sat down and broke it down for us and explained to us why he, what he's telling us is true? It's interesting how these guys never really actually do that. <laughs> Structured wrong. Here's the other thing I want to talk about. Um, he was talking about how the S&P uh, over a 20 year period, uh, maybe uh, uh, the year 2000 to 2020, uh, how uh, if you had your money in the S&P that uh, you might in 20 years earn uh, nine and a half percent in the market. But he said, oh no, we need to go back 40 years. We need to go back to 1980. And uh, your rate of return would have been 12.35%. Really? Do you really think that you will average 12.35%? I know Dave Ramsey thinks that, but folks, uh, people are not averaging 12.35. Dalbar says, uh, if you uh, buy and hold, you'll probably average 9.14% before tax. You'll net 6% after tax if you have your money in the market. Uh, if you were to earn 12, you're only going to net eight after tax in a 33% bracket. And without- We already broke down this tax stuff. IUL is not tax-free. There's taxes. To get around that, you could take out a loan. You're going to pay interest on the loan. And they're just hoping that your gains on the IUL are higher than the interest you're paying on the loan. Again, financial arbitrage. We could do the same thing with a taxable brokerage account. So both of these two things, if you withdraw cash, you pay taxes. You take out a loan, you don't pay taxes. 
They both have that. In fact, everything has that. You could refinance your car and not pay taxes. You could do it to your house and not pay taxes. All of these things exist. So, you know, you could net taxes on an IUL as well. What he's referring to here is that they figured out that most people put their money in when the market's doing really well. And then when the market stops doing so well, they pull their money out in fear and they end up getting a really low rate of return. And he's exactly right. Like you have to keep funding your stuff you know, your investments over a period of time, it's called dollar cost averaging. And we covered that. It's exactly what he's referring to here with his IUL stuff. He's like, you have to keep putting money in, right? The only difference is that if you run into trouble in a regular brokerage account and you stop funding it for a bit, no one cares. No one's coming after you. You do that with your cash value life insurance. You could lose your entire plan and your entire retirement. So pick wisely. (laughs) Asset managers, those are going to be another 1% in asset management fees charged. I mean, on a no, there's no, there's no 1% in asset managers fees. You just buy index funds. It's easy. They're, the fees are so small that it's like negligible in the calculations. Million dollars, they're going to charge you 1% or 10 grand. And if you earned uh, 12, you could pull out 120,000. You're only going to net 80,000 after tax, uh, 70,000 after tax and fees. You have to earn 12 to net seven. So this guy who was doing this illustration mocking IUL was saying, oh, we need to go back 40 years and show 12.35. Okay, let's give him the benefit. 12.35 before tax money in the market. If you really think you'll experience that, you're going to be lucky to net seven and a half or 8% after taxes and fees. Uh, He was saying, oh, using indexing, if you yeah but again like the part that he's not referring to here and this is what makes me think that maybe he really just doesn't understand you know like i keep wavering back and forth like he's lying he doesn't understand i you know but this statement right here makes me think he might not understand you're not paying taxes and fees every year like let's say you you were just to withdraw your cash when you hit retirement you're not paying taxes and fees on your entire amount of money every year as it's accumulating, it's accumulating tax-free, just like an IUL accumulate tax-free because everything accumulates tax-free. You don't pay taxes on anything that's not realized as a gain. So like it's, you're, you're netting 10% every year that's compounding every year without paying fees. Whereas with his method, he's taking out fees up front and then they're taking out fees annually from your growth. It's taking away from the compounding factor. So in the guy's example, he could end up with like 2.5 million. And then once they start withdrawing, yeah, they might have to pay some taxes, but they're going to have 2.5 million. Whereas that same dollar amount put into IUL might produce like a million. And then you could take out loans to not pay taxes, but you're paying interest on the loans. So it's still not as good as that 2.5 million with taxes. You see what I'm saying? Like, this is just basic math right here. Like basic compounding knowledge. Like if you're taking out fees as the process is going, you're, you're burdening or you're stubbing your reducing that compounding factor. Whereas in the market, you don't pay taxes until you withdraw the cash. It just keeps compounding at that high rate. That's That doesn't make those two things equal. So he's kind of just tossing that out there. And it, it sounds like he's tossing it out there in a way he doesn't understand. Like he's never actually sat down in the spreadsheet and figured this stuff out himself, which he might not have. Like he might've just bought into this completely and then just decided, yeah, like screw it. Like I, I believe in this. I'm not going to ask questions. I, I don't know. Back tested that. Uh, you're only going to uh, probably average about uh, 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 9.6%. 
uh, and you would net 8.6. Well, wait a minute. I'm netting 8.6. Even in the lowest tax bracket you would be in if you had a million dollar nest egg, uh, you're only going to net about 8.6 if you had your money in the market. So my question is this. Do you want to hope that you earn an average of 12, 12.35% uh, uh, compounded rate of return uh, over a 40-year period so that you can net 8.6 after taxes and or fees? Uh, that works. Do you want to hope that happens or do you want to just very safely and confidently accumulate your money at 9.6 based upon actual history? And Okay, okay. So let me explain because I feel like I got to explain this better. He he pointed out the safe withdrawal rate of 4% and the industry wants you to only withdraw 4%. Okay, so your growth compounds every year at 10.5%. That's the current average of the S&P 500. So we could even say 8%. I, I don't even care. But you're not paying taxes or fees on any of that as it grows over time. So then you hit retirement. Then you withdraw 4%. That's it. Then you pay taxes on maybe a third, if not a fifth of that 4%. You see what I'm saying? Because you only pay when the money comes out. This is assuming that you don't just take a loan out against your brokerage account like you could with IUL. You could do that with your brokerage account and not pay taxes. So let's pretend you actually withdraw. You're not you're not paying 4% in taxes, right? His own example that he's giving us here, he's already debunked his own example, but I don't think he's really calculated that. Net 8.6 after the cost of the insurance because it was structured correctly, and 8.6 is tax-free. I mean, I, on a million dollars, I can pull out 86000 a year tax-free. No, you can't. Not only is it gaining interest, and he just ignores that fact completely, if you pull out that cash, you pay taxes on it. You can only get that cash by taking a loan, and you don't pay taxes on the loan, but you're going to pay interest. And I'm not saying that you know one is better than the other. The loan, I think, is probably going to cost you less over time, which is fine, Right. But then to skip over that and just pretend like you can withdraw money cash-free without explaining that there's a lot more complexity in that is just entirely dishonest. If I have money in the market and I'm earning 12, 12%, I mean, I could pull out 120 grand, but I'm only going to net uh, 80,000 after tax. You subtract the fees, it's only 70. Are, are you getting it? Why do you want to go through all those gyrations and volatility in the market to hopefully <laughs> net 8 or 8.6? When I only have to earn 9.6 to net 8.6 in an IUL when it's structured correctly. Four, 4%. In actuality, most people have been earning over 11 and netting 10. That outperforms money in the market. And uh, I challenge any of these asset managers to show money actually in the market netting after tax in excess of 10%. On IUL, a million dollars can generate $100,000 a what, what's oh, what's funny about that statement is that we can back test the S&P 500 and those index funds really easily. We just go look like when we did his example, we back tested it and it was at 4.2%. If someone started investing at the same time they bought Doug's IUL, they would have netted 4.2% annually. So at the exact same time as his example, the market would have netted, he would that person would have got 14.2. We can actually look that up and see it. That data is not hidden. Is, is out there for everybody. So like when he says like, I want someone to prove it. All right. Like we just proved it. It wasn't even that hard. You just Google like SMP, you know, uh, 
values per year and then you just copy those values it, it took us like five seconds to set up a spreadsheet for that meanwhile let me let me see your examples he showed us an example it took us a while to sit there and do the math ourselves because his math doesn't do it to discover that when he claimed 9.6 percent his customer made four percent during one of the greatest economic growth periods of u.s history right so like instead of telling us to do the math on data that's widely available to everybody very simply why don't you show us some data from maybe your own plan i'd like to see that i'll break those numbers down or maybe sit down and actually break the numbers down of your own customers instead of just reading that percentage growth number in the top right corner and assuming that that's cash on cash return because it's not we just proved that so uh, you know as he's sitting here claiming like oh these guys can't prove it like everybody can prove it it doesn't take a rocket scientist but nobody can prove his stuff his claims are totally unproven year of tax-free income even if it's only earning eight and i can tell you right now most consultants will go what how can you take out 10 percent a year and not deplete principal if it's only earning eight well that tells me right off the bat they don't know what they don't know because they don't understand how to take out the money smartly by using index loans where you're actually earning 2% or more greater than the rate that you're taking it out by taking tax-free income out via index loans. Most of the people that we have helped have experienced 10% payouts on their IUL. You show me money in the market being able to- I don't know what he's referring to there. That's entirely new to me. I'm going to have to look that up. I've not heard him say anything about that before. I've not heard anyone say anything about indexed loans. Hey, AJ coming from the editing studio here. Um, after the video, I went ahead and looked up index loans and I can't find anything related to what he's talking about. I think what he's referring to is the gains on the account being greater than the loan interest rates being paid. And if that's the case, his math is broken. Someone may be able to take out like a 10% loan in a single year, but mathematically that would be impossible to do continuously. That would mean that the account would have to actually grow higher than 10% every year on average. And the actual loan interest rate added on to the amount that you're taking out would have to be less than the amount the account is gaining. And there's no way, even in his own admission, that account's not gaining 10%. So this would have to be like a one-off that he's referring to. Um, just doesn't add up. To do that. And that's net cash on cash after all costs. So um, it's sad, you know, the worst form of ignorance is when we criticize or mock something we know very little or nothing about. And that's why I say, oh, bless their hearts. Uh, and when I look at the illustrations that they're using, unfortunately, it was one of two reasons or both. Uh, the mechanical failure because it wasn't structured correctly or the pilot error, the one owning the policy didn't fund it correctly. And they're using those poor examples to compare what they do to a poorly structured product. And you know what? Uh, whatever they need to do to make themselves feel good, I guess they have to do that. But uh, I know better. Oof, man, that was painful. So did you guys all catch the, uh, the biggest glaring flaw of this response video? <laughs> and uh, we pointed it out a few times, but... The biggest flaw to this is that someone sat down, did the math, 
put spreadsheets together, tried to figure this stuff out. And in response, what Doug did was he said, like, we're going to beat this guy with data and information. And then he just made claims, nothing to support the claims at all. And then he was like, I challenge someone to prove this with the data that's widely available to everywhere. And we've proven it in like tons of our videos where we just tell people like where to invest, what makes sense. It's, it's very proven. In fact, when we say the market has returned an average of 10.5%, that's just total growth from the beginning of the market to the end divided by the number of years. That's it. Like it's not rocket science. It's available to everyone. You can prove it pretty simply, man. I don't know what to say about that. That was wildly entertaining, not not because it gave us any useful information, but because he just sat there being like, you know, I am claiming, you know, through decree of of just existing that this is the return. And if you can't, if you're not using this claim that I have totally unproven and not given you any data to support and the data I have given you to support this claim it was easily debunked because we did it, then I don't know what to tell you. You have a sad little life if uh, if that's how you believe. You actually want data to support claims? God, can't believe you want data to support claims. What kind of crazy financial person are you? And then, if you guys remember that one video I responded to where they were like, we love engineers and CPAs because we give them the data and they eat it up. Where's the data? The only things that we've seen have not proven your own claims. So sit down with a spreadsheet and break down dollar for dollar what goes in, where that dollar goes, and then let's compare it to another spreadsheet of what happens if we put the same money into the S&P 500. And you know why that doesn't exist? It's because when we sit here and simulate it, the S&P 500 wins by a ton every single time. That's why. So... My final verdict on this one is I'm still torn. I don't have an opinion as to whether or not Doug is just straight up lying or he just doesn't understand. I, th I think there's maybe a little bit of both worlds in there. I think at some point he just kind of glosses over the truth and he just makes these claims and he kind of feels like he doesn't have to explain them because maybe explaining them hurts his salesmanship. And so he's just using these claims that are just half truths, sometimes untruths completely to try and make the sale. And then on the other side, I think to some degree, he's like just bought into these talking points to the point where he just doesn't even consider the details or the data on these talking points. Like when he makes these claims, he's just like, yeah, obviously this is true. And he doesn't have, like he's never actually sat down and worked that out himself. He just sort of believes it. I, I'm kind of torn in between the two, and I think maybe it's a little bit of both. I don't know. Let me know down below. Make sure you like and subscribe. Um, we're still giving away $500. So if you subscribe, um, you have a chance to win that first for uh, someone from our first 10,000 subscribers. Hit WealthyIdiots.com. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you guys next time.